We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oscar Robertson, Leo Sindor, what a year had it been. The Bucks are the world champions. Ray Allen driving past Armstrong. The jam over McGrady. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Happy birthday, Jason Kidd. This place is up for grabs. Has to foul and a pinnacle ball throws it down. Step back three for the top. Got it. Got it. Giannis ties the game and becomes the Bucks' all-time leading scorer on one stroke. It's been a 50-year journey. Wisconsin, we've got a room at the top of the world tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. We're gonna play basketball and win. And win? Yeah. How many games? Six. We're gonna be. We're gonna win the six. Hello, welcome to episode 386 of the Winning Six podcast, proudly part of the Euroset Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcasts. I'm your host Adam McGee, and joining me as always it's my good friend Jordan Tresky. Jordan. Hello, hello. <laughs> that uh, that hello was a little bit more. Are you there? Because just as we started recording, Jordan's camera went off. I was like, oh no, we lost Jordan. But you are there, Jordan. Yes, I am in Siberia. <laughs> it's it's good to know. It's disconcerting. I'm so used to seeing your face that suddenly being greeted by this, it does feel like you've been taken hostage. Um. Uh, so maybe maybe you have because you're gonna have to talk about some some topics that you're not all that crazy about on today's podcast. Would that be maybe a factor in it? Is this your form of a protest? This is my you know, I'm looking at towards the end of the season and I'm I'm thinking of taking I think of asking for a trade. Wow. And if I don't get if I don't get a trade, I'm gonna Where, sit where's on your list? Um, I could make a you real had, you hadn't talked this true far enough, really, had you? No, I can oh, make okay. real references right now, but it would, I, I think people would actually think I'm being serious rather than, um, I can't turn my camera back on, which is even funnier because. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get general manager Ty Windish in here, uh, just in case. 
have him prepared. I want you to tell to, to Ty that I'm prepared to sit out the entire rest of the season if I don't get what I want. <laughs> I, I gotta send him a message right now saying that, Jordan. Don't you worry. Um, we are going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Good news for the Milwaukee Bucks and the All Star conversation that you and I were not all that optimistic about. Good news for Milwaukee Bucks and that they just cannot stop winning basketball games and they're closing that gap. They've almost closed it entirely to the Boston Celtics at the top of the Eastern Conference. Missoula. Good news for the Milwaukee Bucks in terms of trades elsewhere. Bad news for Milwaukee Bucks. I'll let you, the listener, decide, uh, but I'll also try and get Jordan to weigh in. Not long before we started recording. Big trade, big, big trade, possibly the biggest trade we're going to get in the next few days went down. Um, it moved very fast because Kyrie Irving had not requested a trade when we last recorded an episode of Win in Six. He has since requested a trade. Not a whole lot about that. That's absolutely shocking. Um, but the Dallas Mavericks sprung into action. And they managed to pull off a deal. So they have sent Spencer Dinwiddie back to Brooklyn. They've sent Dorian Finney-Smith with him. First round pick, I believe, 2027 first. Um, I keep seeing different reports to what pick it is. Okay. And there's two seconds. Yes. And the Nets have also sent... Markeith Morris to Dallas, I believe. Yes. Am I missing any pieces of this trade? I don't believe so. Um, uh, actually, um, you forgot um the throwing in Steve Nash's Mavericks jersey to give to Mark Cuban to hang in his office. <laughs> uh, did he send Steve Nash back? Um, no, I don't believe. I don't believe. So. Don't believe he's he's there to send anymore, Jordan. All right, so this is this is big news. Uh, whether it's the kind of fun storyline or not, given many of the characters involved, we're now going to get to watch Kyrie Irving, um, on a Jason Kidd coached team. So that is certainly something from a basketball IQ perspective, Jordan. From a pure point guard perspective, there's not really anything else to talk about with those two guys. That's going to be quite a trail, right? <laughs> It's gonna be uh it's gonna be <laughs> the media of the minds, you know, you just wanna see two point guards cook. That's what I that's what I've come to learn in my NBA experience. Yeah, what happens with Luka Doncic is on that team already and he's really the guy who should have the ball at all times. I'm just what's more important is Jason Kidd signing off on this. It's very unprecedented move for the Dallas Brain Trust. You know, that's that's what's important here. Yeah. Who wins, who loses in this trade? Who wins, who loses? Yeah. Um, I think it's very possible. It's easy. I'm, like, saying two different answers at once. Um... I think for right now, it's the winners are Brooklyn because they just get out of the Kyrie business. Um, that can easily change if Woj or Shams or 
Ari Abraham uh, decided to tweet that Kevin Durant wants a trade request in like 15 minutes. So Adam Sh- Adam Schefter, he might do yeah Adam Schefter Photoshop. You know, I I just love 2023. It's it's all about these shitty photoshops that I can see on Twitter, and the newsbreakers are starting to do it now too. This is big business. Um, so yeah, I I think the potential for no one to win this trade, um, is very high because. Uh, a Brooklyn is now down to a big one, um, with Kevin Durant. Apologies to Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. <laughs> um, and Dallas, uh, parted with a lot of things that they decided to give up for Kyrie Irving for potential three months of Kyrie Irving. If you do not or if you decide not to extend him or if you do not or decide not to resign him in the offseason. So I, it's, I, I really don't know. It's, it's very, it's an odd, odd trade for where even with considering the circumstances that led up to this for the last, I don't know, year and a half. The Nets win the trade, hands down. The Nets win the trade. Uh, Kyrie Irving has, done everything in his power to single-handedly tank what should have been like a victory lap for the missing organization in recent years we know they've been down the road of big trees and building super teams before to disastrous effect but this is one that should have worked a whole lot better they may have anticipated some of what came their way but they certainly wouldn't have anticipated all of it and they sure have got the full Kyrie Irving experience in all the ways they didn't want in his time in Brooklyn I just think that was a disaster for them. Like the time had come to pull the plug on it anyway. He was going to leave in free agency. They weren't going to pay him. That's clearly how it came about. And with that, to get back two really good role players, slightly better than role player, like you're talking kind of two of the best players of that kind in that tier in the league under contract. I believe Dinwiddie for another season I think um Dorian Finney-Smith has three seasons yeah he just signed or just signed an extension last year. yeah so they're not just useful players to have in your roster for also whatever they decide they want their roster to be and whatever shape it is like Dorian Finney-Smith two years from now if KD's gone and the Nets are blowing it up he's going to be valuable to a good team you're going to get something back for that and they've got a first-round pick, and they've got two seconds in this. I think they're very, very clear winners, which, when you boil it down to the simplest way of, well, look at what Kyrie Irving can do with a basketball in his hands, sounds insane, but as we know, that has not been the story of what he's brought to the Brooklyn Nets. And for whatever reason, and we've run through a full range of them, he hasn't been able to be on the floor anywhere near as much as they need him to. He's been a distraction when he has been there. I think they have set themselves up now that they could be aggressive at the deadline and they could add to this or they could run with a very different type of team to the one they've really been building. It's funny Dinwiddie coming back here in many ways, this gives Sean Marks a Sean Marks-esque roster when he got to do the best of his work with the Nets where really at that time, I think (laughs) their best chance of success would have been, oh yeah, keep all those like, Keep Jared Allen around. 
keep Dinwiddie at that point and see if you can get Kevin Durant and build that kind of team and maybe pick the right star in time rather than going and grabbing everyone all at once. It's kind of interesting to see them come full circle with Dinwiddie coming back, but it's not full circle because you got Kevin Durant still. And on a, like I fear the Nets more now than I have at any point throughout the season. Like they they're not far removed from a really hot streak of their own, and we kind of flippantly dismissed that only a couple of pods ago because we're like who cares Kyrie's going to just blow it up at some point anyway like the Nets are going to shoot themselves in the foot and we say that it really was Kyrie more than anyone else so getting rid of him if they can get a healthy KD to the remainder of the season into the playoffs and build a kind of a good solid rotation of well-rounded players offensively and defensively they're a tougher out if Kevin Durant just goes off in a series you know they they're not going to have the upside of, oh, well, this individual can come and bail you out, but they're also going to be kind of a much tougher out in some of the matchups. Yeah, I mean, in this scenario where Kevin Durant just, I mean, he is committed to the Nets for now. Um, As we are recording this, this could easily change, but I do... It, there's something more safe about. Do, them. do you it's believe? Not... Just uh, let's let's go on the record about that, Jordan. Do you believe that Kevin Durant is going to remain at Brooklyn after the trade deadline? I have no idea. I I think he will. I don't. I, don't I think I think it's him. more likely that he will, and that they would revisit it in the off season. But I didn't anticipate him asking for a trade based on what was going on with Kyrie in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I mean, individually, like I I don't think they you don't trade Kevin Durant unless Kevin Durant does we traded. And if the rumblings out there and it wouldn't just be the Suns, it would be pretty much every team in the NBA would be interested. Yeah. But if the rumblings are the Suns want you, if I'm KD right now, I look at position in the standings, I look at everything stands and I go, okay, I'll stay here with the Nets for the rest of the season, you know. Maybe Phoenix could be fun in the offseason, but for now, I've got a better chance where I am. Yes. I also just think that they... I don't know. like it, it, All the reasons why they made the trade now and why they won it for the reasons that we think now, what they constructed was ultimately is a failure. There is no changing back on what they hoped the last few years to be and why, or even for the moment that KD and Kyrie walked into that, uh, you know, into the facility, I guess, or the organization when they signed in free agency almost four years ago. So under those pretenses, yes, like, yeah, like whatever we thought of the Brooklyn Nets for the last three and a half, four years, add in James Harden, who quickly left like everything about it is a failure. And now they have made a way for to have like a life raft rather than just having crippling um uh I don't know. If if Katie were to leave in some short if, if time. If Katie period, were to leave, then everything is a failure. No, I everything... think it's a failure. 
No, I, I disagree. You got Kevin Durant. So until you lose Kevin Durant, when Kevin Durant goes, your chances are gone. Until you lose Kevin Durant, their chances are very much still alive. I, I'm not looking to cape mm. up for the decisions that Sean Marks and Joe Sy have made and what the, the Brooklyn Nets have been in recent years. I think their philosophy has been terrible <laughs> and they paid the price for that. Yeah. They got Kevin Durant, though, so not everything is a failure because you've still got Kevin Durant. And while you've got Kevin Durant, you've got a real chance. And this is not... I don't know. This is not the Lakers or the Bulls or even the Knicks, right? Uh, if we're to go for a franchise that is incredibly dysfunctional, but at least does have something there that in theory, although time and time again, it proves not to be the case, you should be able to work with that. You should be able to build something. The Nets is a different beast altogether. I think it's not all a failure when you've got Kevin Durant. And they, they managed to get him there and they still have him. Now, if I were Sean Marks, I would take the lessons learned and I would not rush out and try to pick up some other star type player. Even if it's a slightly lower tier of star in the next few days, I'd be like, you know what? Can we get rid of Ben Simmons and get like one useful player? That might be a good idea. Uh, but I'm I'm not going shopping for for stars or kind of you know tier two stars. Ty, our friend Ty Windish, our colleague Ty Windish, has been tweeting. I think a lot of like interesting ideas that I don't think are the worst thing for the Nets to just go and put like a competitive product out there on the floor in the next few weeks and hope things go their way beyond that. And you're like, oh, look, look what we did, which is kind of what a Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, that kind of player added to the mix. With good role players around them and Kevin Durant, does that make the Nets an entirely different team? And I am inclined to think yes, as I think one in terms of personality with those guys. But at the same time, I just wouldn't rush into that. And honestly, Kevin Durant at this point, I mean, sure, he wants to be part of a team that's very much focused on winning a championship and that he feels the roster moves are aligned with that. I'd also say he's sick of all these guys' shit. Like, going back to Russell Westbrook at Oklahoma City, like, I, I think he is a guy that you could sell on. Look, we believe you are you are the piece that wins a championship. Trust us. Give us X, X amount of time. If it's another year past this, whatever it is, but let us put a roster together that's going to play to your skills rather than worrying about what else are we bringing in here and see how that plays out. I think that's a better kind of use of what, Sean Marks has proved to be really good as an executive. Like he might be a great executive at that kind of roster building. Um, and saying that, I don't know if he's terrible. Like I, I don't know if getting Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant together, you're like, oh, what a what a doofus! What is he doing? Like, there's a lot there that is so beyond his control. Even though. I don't know if necessarily you or I as executives would be like, yeah, let's get those guys together. They seem like the right guys to group together. Could that be... I don't think that's entirely on Marx. I, I do think ultimately he is... It could come from above him. Exactly. That is the 
question I would have for the next three plus days of what kind of team does Josai ultimately want here? Because he's opted for the uh, bright lights, glitzy parts. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I think truly... I think he'd take a year or two off from that too. I, he, had I to, he had to release all kinds of statements. He ended up in all kinds of situations that he did not foresee when he was like, oh my God, I got to win a championship. This is great. Look at this roster. And all of a sudden, he's just releasing statement after statement after statement. He had the Anti-Defamation League on line one on, on uh, the last six months. Um, Not even last six months, probably longer. So yeah, I, I, but ultimately he signed up in all these moves and still wanted to keep Kyrie Irving to a point to whatever. I'm sure we'll have more sides to the story as time passes, but they still wanted to commit to Kyrie Irving to some degree um, within the last week, within the last few days, but they wanted to do it on their terms. And ultimately that was not going to happen. That is never the moment that you switched from we're going to operate on our terms after ceding control of of your terms for the last since they walked into the building, then you knew the relationship was going to uh, uh, deteriorate um, in this fashion. So, yeah, I I don't know what the Nets are ultimately trying to be because they have grabbed the steering wheel after letting other people drive it but well they've tried to be the knicks in recent years which is never a good idea yeah yeah they've they and and funnily enough they have turned out to be the knicks that they have whether they indirectly they've actually they've managed to do what the knicks now failed to do because they they did such a terrible job of making it work just like this for so long that those big stars will no longer go to the knicks but they went to the nets and the nets went look we can be the knicks too (laughs) <laughs> uh, okay, the most relevant part of this deal for us is actually, you know, before I switch it to briefly talking about the other side, Brooklyn Nets as they stand, as their roster stands right now. So don't read into what they might or may not do in the next few days. I feel confident the Celtics are their own thing. I know you of all people feel that way. Things are not quite as, you know. I don't know. Um, they're not quite the juggernaut, the juggernaut they were. But the Celtics are good. I think we're in agreement. The Celtics are good. Yeah. If I take, if I take the Celtics out of the equation, so you've got Sixers, Nets, Cavs, Heat, not including the Knicks or the Hawks or any Heat. of that. I, I yeah you know okay Sixers Nets Cavs rank those teams in terms of who you fear the most Jordan Sixers Nets Cavs yes Cavs Sixers Nets wow so you fear the Cavs the most and the Nets the least oh yeah I think the Nets are done. I know they have Kevin Durant. I don't think they are that. I'm not, I'm not, I like, I I don't know. And again, this is subject to change. I don't, do we know that this is going to be the tea that they're going to have coming out of the deadline? 
I I just asked you to operate with the team that's there right okay. now. So playoff series, for example, if that team is going up against the Sixers, if that team is going up against the Cavs, or more towards the question, if that team is going up against the Bucks, you're happy. You're sticking with where you are. You're least afraid of the Nets. Bingo. Yes. And Nets Nets are number one non-Boston for me. I, I I just don't fall into the trap. Do you, do you remember what it was like to watch Kevin Durant? And how we were all just like, Jesus Christ, can we never see him again in a playoff series? And I always had like the the security there of, oh, but he's going to have Kyrie out there, which in theory sounds like it's going to be a problem. But in reality, it's a problem only for the Nets. I don't know if KD can hold up at this stage to carry the full workload that it would take for this team, but you're not going to catch me doubting Kevin Durant over some of the pretenders on these other teams. So I'll go, I'll go Nets, Cavs, because the Cavs as a matchup is a interesting slash problematic one, and the Sixers because. Look, Joel Embiid is very good, but the Sixers do not deserve our respect. They've done nothing to earn it over many, many years, so they'll have to change that. If if we're to ever treat them any differently. Okay, the other side is still. I really only care about the Luka Doncic part of this. Uh, Mark Stein, I believe your your colleague is what you sometimes fellow, refer to fellow as fellow substacker. Um, <laughs> he noted that the Mavs did run this by Luka Doncic. I'm always curious with that though. Like, what does that like? What does that even mean? You, you get called into an office. Did he get a phone call? Was it like we're going to trade for Kyrie Irving? Are you happy with that? And he's like, Yeah, sure. I like the the thing with it is it's just as an organization you must know that there is a difference even between asking your franchise player would you be happy to play with this guy versus knowing what it is going to be like in practice for him to share a team with him for years to come in your best case scenario I I don't know how they do this. I don't know how they've missed everything that's happened with Kyrie Irving over the last, what are we now, six, seven years of his career? Mm -hmm. This is absolute insanity to me. And I say that from the the perspective of a kind of a place where we once were, where we're like, okay, the Bucks have hit the jackpot here. Giannis is a player that is coming around once a generation, if even that. Got to win, got to keep him. How do you do that? And I have noted that the Bucks could have gone down roads and they would have if they presented themselves where they're making some desperation moves at a kind of top-end level. But I don't even know who the Kyrie Irving would have been out there at that point. Uh, Kyrie Irving. I, it, 
That I did. I, co- I considered it, but that is so much better a place to be then than it is now. Uh... There's there's a lot of water under the bridge. In fact, there's so much water under that bridge that is now over the bridge. The bridge yeah. is under water, Jordan. And Luka um... Doncic is trying to. He's. I, I need to cross this river. There used to be a bridge. What's going on here? I I just I don't get it. I would get. Well, look, it's a relatively inexperienced general manager, president of basketball operations. I can't remember the exact Nico terminology Harrison. in use for Nico Harrison in Dallas. Um, it's coming from the player representation side of the game. This feels like decision-making dazzled by the names, dazzled by just imagine if we put Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic together and not really focusing on one. Sure, for all of the great that that could bring in a basketball perspective, there are very clear downsides that come with those two as a basketball fit. Downsides that with this trade, you're actually not helping either. Uh, for example, you really need good versatile wing defenders uh you know guys like dorian finney smith so bringing kyrie irving in and chatting that doesn't help you there and then there's everything else we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm I'm a little surprised, Jordan, at Mark Cuban and for this. Because he's been around the block a long time. I don't know, is it that the Mavs just haven't generally got a chance to do this? And maybe that's where they do it. Because they are always the team where everyone goes in free agency. Oh, the tax breaks, and you know, the Mavs have and look at the Mavs as a franchise. And then nothing really happens. And even when they yeah. get close, you get DeAndre Jordan and ultimately all of that. I don't know, does that ultimately feed in the point here where they're like, there's a superstar available, let's grab them and see what happens because how else do we get one to pair with Luca? But to kind of circle back to what I was saying about KD, like, if you've got KD or if you've got Luca, you've got the hardest piece of it all. Job number one is 
don't piss them off. Don't make their life more difficult. And you're going to have half a chance. You can build the rest from there. And this is just insane. To the point now where obviously there's been all kinds of dysfunction that's putting it very mildly within that organization over the past two, three years off the court. Um, You only have to look at now what the front office looks like and where it is in terms of experience, who the head coach is. I don't need to say too much on that here. And the one thing they always had is, well, look, at least, at least we've got Luka Doncic. And this is a move where it's like, this could very plausibly go wrong in the way where you do not have Luka Doncic. And this is the thing where everyone can point back to and is already pointing to and being like, why are you doing that? I mean, I can remember the days of, uh, I don't think there's that much reporting for good moves, but it would be like, I just remember the day that Chris Haynes uh, tweeted that the Bucks were waving Gary Payton to um, from his two way, and he said Giannis Antetokounmpo is very disappointed with this move. Or like when Jason K got fired too, and that he was what was it distraught or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean this is. I, I do think you make a good point of where Dallas is and they've always been rumored as like this big shark in free agency, and, you know, including with Chris way back when. And they've never landed that big fish. They're honestly, um, they, they, the fish they've landed like are on a par with the books. Yeah. Like for Dallas as a market size and for all the incentives that are to go there, like Chandler Parsons in the Chandler news Parsons. lately. Is that the is that the biggest free agents like that they've re without kind of retaining some of their own and doing extensions for guys? Yeah, biggest newcomer that I can like think of. Tim Hardaway Jr., Christian Wood, and guys like that just don't trades really, too. They're trades, but it just doesn't also move the needle at all. Like just doesn't cut it. If the books, if that was the most the books could do, we'd be pretty upset about that so it's kind of a weird and under discussed thing which I guess has been masked by getting Luka Doncic and yeah. the Hawks playing a helping hand and you getting Luka Doncic yeah and I think that is part of the reason why you make this move now I guess I don't know I, I really the the Nets got out of more than what they I, re- I am really surprised by what they got out of this because as much as good as a, of a player as Dorian Finney-Smith is, it's the picks that ultimately just help them whether they actually draft them or not because they just didn't have any. Um, and Dor- Dorian Finney-Smith is more picks if they want, like, very with true. that contract. Very true. Um, but, it yeah, I... I they're the they were the team that was more desperate than the Lakers and had actual players and picks to give them that weren't just you know break free. You can like Westbrook was essentially an expiry, and you break uh, whatever phrase you want to call it, but like it, that's not an appealing offer. <laughs> just to have like oh yeah, this comes off your books, but you have to go through this for the next couple of months, which. For the right team, 
Russell Westbrook would appeal more than Kyrie Irving, but um, yeah, I it is truly remarkable where we are with this and knowing how Kyrie is, I'm sure that there are more checkpoints and more chapters to be written in this crazy story because it is going to continue. It just naturally does. I'm pretty sure he's checking out the grassy knoll to uh, write the next one right now, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, shall we talk about the Milwaukee books? Yes. Thank God. Please. Where'd you want to start with? Cause we can go in a whole bunch of different directions here and all that's good. Um, hmm. don't do don't think too hard about it. I don't want this to be too difficult. Let's talk on. Drew. Let's talk Drew Gideon, uh, an all star. Drew Holiday is an all star again. The longest gap in NBA history between all star appearances, a feat that also would have applied to Brook Lopez uh, if he had made it, which is just interesting in its own right. What that says about the books and the construction of their team and the kind of guys that they've managed to pick up. Um, Drew, I, I don't think has ever, I don't feel like his star has ever really fallen that low. He just happens to be at one of the most competitive positions for the all-star game, because a lot of guys who are not very good when it comes to helping their teams to win are very entertaining, put up lots of points and will make the all-star game year in and year out. That was part of why in the last episode we were very pessimistic about this. Uh, you did think he was going to be next man in if there were any replacements, which with the Steph Curry news, um, we're, we're right into replacement time for the All-Star game as is. But no, he and made it in. Kyrie, depending on how they do that too. No, that's all That's all good. He, he'll Because it's not East versus West, so... He was oh, picked true, for yeah. the East, but it doesn't actually matter. So he will count as an Eastern Conference All-Star, but it doesn't <laughs> actually matter once they get there. Um, Yeah, I was very happy, very happy to, to see this news. And I guess it just comes down to the thing that we've talked about a lot, which is the level of respect that there is for Drew Holiday among coaches around the league, among players around the league, as that's really what gets you over the line in this case. Yeah, I was shocked um, in part because of who else was very deserving of this, of All-Star, of, or getting an All-Star berth. Um, Jalen Brunson being essentially whose spot, I guess, Drew got by consensus here. Yeah, and I would probably credit him more with the Knicks being competitive than Julius Randle, but that's just me being my two cents there. Um but yeah, I'm very, very excited to see Drew. I just like see, I mean, Giannis, we take it for granted that he just is going to be in the All-Star game every year. And even to the degree that he's going to be a captain, because this is his third time being a captain. So we're just like, ah, oh, that's great. Oh, when, come on. We're not, I know, we're not I know. flipping about it. I know, but I, well, I don't, I think there are some people that just kind of take it for granted now. I wouldn't take it for granted because I'm like, not one of those people. We're a few we're a few years away, and that could be like a few short years or a few long years. Either way, we're a few years away from probably a very long drought where that is not the reality for the books. 
let alone the captain thing, because that's definitely not going to be the reality mm-hmm. for probably 50 years uh, if we're to go by by history. But just having all-stars, like, you remember, you remember what that was like to just be like, can we just get an all-star here? Brandon Knight is Ty so Windish. more deserving than Kyle Korver. That was a legitimate argument. That was in, a Ty Windish impression. Ty will still make that argument today. He's going to be in your mentions the second he hears I'm not, podcast. First of all, I would say I side with you, Ty. I would also say there's probably, so, probably someone else more deserving of Brandon Knight and Kyle Korver that didn't get in that year that we probably forget already. But um, Kyle Korver deserved it. How dare you? I was there. I was there. I was watching. I was in the <laughs> trenches. LCD sound system. I was there when Brandon Knight could have been... <laughs> Um, but to your point of Drew uh, and Rohan Kadi, our fellow GSPN colleague and Substacker, um, uh, pointed this is out to Rohan me. Rohan on the Substack? He is. Um, I'm going to have to do some research on that. My own research. Oh, yes. To continue the theme of today. Um, he tipped this off to me. I'm not saying that he broke this news to everybody else, but this is news to me that he has the Drew has the longest gap of All Star births, and if you really think about it too, and or and your point like enhances this of like Drew has just been the same guy. It's there has been you know mitigating circumstances to this where I want to say he missed good chunk of time in the first couple of seasons when he was with the Pelicans. Um, started the uh 2016-17 with the Pelicans because his wife had a brain tumor. Um, obviously that will affect your availability to become an All Star, and you know obviously the Pelicans' success or lack thereof. Yeah, for... the, the Pelicans just generally affected his chances to become an All Star. Yeah. So Drew has just been the same guy. It's just you know whether circumstances that he could control or uh, basically every other factor that he couldn't control um, played in, into the role of why he was an all-star um, for that long. But it, I don't know. There's something about that that is worth celebrating because to go that long between all-star appearances and to essentially be – like. How we talk about Drew Holiday then to how we talk about Drew Holiday now isn't really discernibly different. Um, sure, he's a better player. He's you can look at numbers. He's a better three point shooter, especially since he's come to Milwaukee. Um, obviously, playing on a winning team helps a whole bunch, uh, and just the experience that comes with being the league for this long. But that is something to be celebrated. I think that's even as much as I thought that Brooke wasn't even going to come close to being an All Star. The fact that you are still this good at you know your mid thirties when you've been in the league for 15, 16 years. Drew's been in the league for 13, 14 years. Um that is kind of crazy. I, I know it's not a, a LeBron tier or um even some of the guys like James it's Harden. A, it's it's honestly more impressive because you're not the generational player who you're not the surefire exactly. Hall of Famer, who you're seeing your whole career true. 
you are making all-star games as a young player and as an old player, you might only have two to your name. Like there, there's something very impressive about that for longevity, for consistency and for the kind of player you are. And yeah, I think that absolutely that applies for Drew and it, it applies for Brooke and just being somewhat in the mix and us making a case for him and him being a bit older too. Yeah. I, I didn't kind of agree with that. I think it's more impressive. I mean, not to say like, I'm not impressed by what's, LeBron got 20 now? Has to be, right? It's got to be. I mean, uh, I think this is 19. 19? Because this is this would be his 20th. I'm trying to what? yeah, I was trying to work out the years on that. Um, Like, yeah, that's impressive. But you also, you're LeBron James, and you came into the league as LeBron James, and if you stay healthy, well, there's kind of an expectation that you'll be that until the day you're retired. It's very different when you're never going to get in on fan votes. When as much as you've always been good to just to hold on at that level, it's tough. And I watch like, particularly with Drew, like you're talking about getting to this point, you've got a whole generation of, like young point guards who've come along behind them and have completely changed kind of the outlook of the position in the league and to still be beating some of those guys out for that spot, that is impressive. So yeah, very, very, very happy for Drew. Brooke, look, we knew that. I think we focused most of the conversation on Brooke on the last pod because if it really felt like that was the one that like the numbers, the numbers just aren't there. They're not going to give us someone averaging like 14, 15 points per game in spite of all of the, the context that there is around that. I mean, the, the reality is it's going to take, it's going to take a lot of injuries to make it all the way to Brooke. And even then, I don't know. I just don't have faith in the, the commissioner picks ever getting to a player like that with numbers like that. But ultimately, we we know how great Brooke is. We appreciate the season he's put together so far, and we hope there will be some uh some larger recognition for that come the end of the season. Still, some time to play out on that one. But certainly, based on where you and I were the other day, to have the Bucks return with multiple All Stars is very exciting. Heading to the All Star game in Salt Lake City. Yes. All right. We talk about the books winning lots of games and Giannis averaging over 40 points and Chris Milton looking great and Giannis dropping 54 and saying he was going to eat 54 Culver's burgers, which definitely different to, I, I, I know he was just trying to flip up. I'm not doing free ads here, by the way. One just snuck in there. It got the better of me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the other one that Giannis won't promote anymore. Um <laughs> but his previous instance of this kind of guerrilla marketing slash attempts to get free food was more manageable. Not that it would be manageable for a mere mortal, but it was more manageable than this in my mind. Yeah, once upon a time, maybe the Thon Maker Diet uh, had 54 burgers from an unnamed Wisconsin-based You could say, I've already done it. It's out of the bag, so. 
Set out no. the bike so we we will accept the bike. I mean, yeah. Culver's <laughs> Culver's would be very generous in uh, in light of this, and if they want to extend that generosity to they're us, very, so... they're very friendly to put their you know, put, let's just put win six on that marquee. You know what I mean? Like win in six, best podcast ever. Fifty four burgers. <laughs> sure. What about three hundred eighty six? Oh yes, for the for the number of I was like three hundred eighty six, three hundred eighty six for the number of podcast episodes we've done. I mean, I would. I be- listen. I believe I'm getting word. I'm getting word here that this is going to happen. So follow us on social media. We're going to have three hundred eighty six burgers to give away. Um, it won't be like a redemption scheme. We will already have the burgers, and we'll have to, you know, mail them to you or whatever. But <laughs> anyway, we've got we've got sidetracked here. Um, Yana yeah, scored fifty four points, and the books came back from more than twenty oh, down. Yes, to beat the Clippers, um, in what feels like one of the most important games of the season to date for how they beat the Clippers in that the defense found another gear entirely very much fueled by Wes Matthews. Wes Matthews has been playing much better lately, but this was certainly the final possession. Eye popping. Um, The kind of defense that I guess we were questioning. Does he still have that? Is he completely done? Maybe maybe Bud knows what he's doing after all, Jordan. Maybe maybe there's life in the old dog yet, applying to both player and coach. Mm-hmm. They got he got gave Kawhi a, a taste of his own medicine, if you will. Kawhi Kla- hasn't moved as fast as Wes Matthews is moving in quite a long time. No. No, 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 no. No, that was a that was quite the comeback. Um obviously Giannis just being Giannis uh really helped that but Chris even with his minutes cap um putting in some big shots uh Drew I know it wasn't like the greatest game for him but still making his mark he's always good for turning it on when you need it it to be turned on um Wes Matthews has really picked it up since Bobby's been down um and yeah I mean that possession said it all uh even hit was that the game that he hit a couple threes too? Um, he's always good for a couple threes, uh, save for the Miami game or now Miami game notwithstanding. But yeah, uh, I, he he was zero for four against ah, the Clippers. I take it back. So he's always good for a couple of threes, except when he's good for zero threes. <laughs> but you know, he's also good for not giving up threes. Uh, he was also zero for one. From deep against the heat, just just gotta get out in front of this. You know he's always good for a three here and there. That's what I was. Once every three games, I'm pretty sure that's if we were to expand this. I don't even know if that's actually true. But listen, who needs to make three pointers if you're just Mm -hmm. you're gonna stop the opponents from not just score trees from doing anything? My favorite West matches play the game. Maybe I should put it to you. What do you think my favorite West Matthews play of the game was? It's something that I've always been particularly fond of him 
for, I believe, I wrote about it when he first signed with the Bucks in his first stint. Um, could that be true? Was I still writing then? I don't know. Times. You were still writing. That would have been your last season. Okay. Th- then then I definitely did. There's a There's a trick that he has in his arsenal that very few players have. But he is he is elite. He is elite in a way that is comical to look at when he executes it. And there's one really fun sequence of it in this game. Remind me what it is. Because I have I'm drawing a play. It's when he gets posted up by a man twice his size and it just does not bother him. So it was something that the player who Wes Matthews used to torture when he tried to post up was Kristaps Porzingis dating back mm. to um, Wes Matthews' time with the Mavericks, Porzingis' time with the Knicks. For whatever reason, it was a thing that happened across multiple games that the Knicks would try to get Porzingis working inside. The Mavs would go, okay, we'll put Wes Matthews on. Porzingis would go, great, I've got this tiny little guard on me. And then he would fail to move Wes Matthews at all. I, with Porzingis, I guess that's one thing because we're all familiar with his frame. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, he's really tall. He's 7'2", right? But is he is he the strongest big man around? I feel like Avika Zubac, he's a, he's a pretty strong big. And there was just a classic. This is textbook. Just giving me joy because I'm like, okay, well, that is like... That's the West matches of a few years ago. We were like, oh, these are the kind of things you come in, key defensive minutes. He can do this for you, but he can also do this. And that was part of rounding it out because, yeah, you get the incredible on-ball defense against Kawhi to finish the game, but you're also having him get the better of Zubac in the post. You're like, oh, okay, so the complete West matches defensive experience is still there. So that was the one that really got me kind of quite excited was like oh okay like this is this is real and even the very nature of his defense makes it feel more sustainable too it just seems like okay he still got that maybe it can only be for certain games certain situations but it is in there if the books need it yeah yeah i mean it's part of why you know when we talk about the old wiley vets whether it's him or george um, in particular, I we're so quick to like throw, and I'm definitely guilty of this too. We're so quick to throw the you know dirt on their on their grave, so to speak, where it's like they're cooked. They're you know one bad matchup, and it's true. Like I, I want to say, probably one of the it was probably the Christmas Day game where Wes because of the nature of where the injuries were and um you know the rotation was you're gonna have to rely on him to either guard Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at times and you're gonna look slow compared to guys that are in their prime um in Tatum an MVP candidate whether he's you know the highest MVP candidate you could debate but still a very It's just to get in there. He's not. But he is an MVP candidate. Continue. He's the top player in the league that I'll just say it like just, that. Your Celtics uh, agenda can't go unchecked. No, I, I don't have an agenda. I'm on to you, Missoula. I, 
I'm somersaulting towards you. Um, you can't do that. That's what I'm going to say to him when it comes time to touching Larry O'Brien's trophy because they can't do that. They're not allowed. They're not going. Will to Jason play. Tatum be in the royal family of MVP contenders? I've never heard of him. The LA royal family that I've heard of is Giannis, Chris, and Drew. Nice. Well, well handled on multiple levels there. Um, <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> West Matthews. We're talking about West Matthews defense and Jason Tatum. Yes. Um. Basically, my point was we're very quick to like say they're cooked or, you know. It's past time. And yes, they do the can the Bucks if you they got an upgrade as a uh wing defender. Um not or someone named like K Drowder or something like that. I don't know. Um <laughs> would I welcome that? Yeah, because I think it's an upgrade of what they have, but I still think having vets like Wes Matthews and George Hill can be can be valuable. It's possible to have a world where both are on your team and more reinforcements the better but i i guess that's where i i lie on this we're guilty of the thing that uh we try not to be guilty of but we generally are where we went oh yeah i said 54 points thought about the burgers and then we started talking about west matthews so to bring it back to Giannis here <laughs> um in this seven game win streak for the Bucks, which of course has coincided with Chris Middleton's return as well. Giannis is averaging 39.4 points per game on 60.5% for the field, 35.7% from deep, 60.4% for the free throw line, which is lower than the season average, so this we're going to need you to pick that up, but you know, there's, there's room for improvement here. 14.7 rebounds, 5.0 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.3 box, 4 turnovers. Um, in 32.8 minutes, I shouldn't leave that one out. He's averaging mm-hmm. just under 40 points in under 33 minutes per game. He's just all conquering. And to see him take it to this extreme against that team with the defenders they have, I know that was not their approach to defending him throughout the game. We're going to bring Stan Van Gundy in in a minute. He's going to talk to us all about the different defensive looks the Clippers gave to Giannis. But it's pretty exciting. I mean, that this applies to Giannis. This also applies to just the wider kind of sense of the books. I think... Watching Giannis and how he produced that obviously brings back memories of Game 6 of the Finals. But I do think on the whole, that entire book's performance very much had the spirit and the energy and the kind of, oh, well, we are equipped to grind out these wins feeling that the games in that season had. And to some extent, I don't know how much of that we've seen since. I think part of that is someone like Wes Matthews playing in the way he does because that's giving you some of the PJ Tucker energy and something that the books were able to work with. But I think overall we are seeing this kind of confluence of factors where it's like, okay, well, Giannis is quite clearly the best player on the planet. That's a good starting point, but also everything else is clicking in the, in the ways you need them to click in around him. And what that means is, yeah, even if he's going to have to do a lot of it on its own, you're going to be able to support him in all the other ways that are required to ensure that 
what he is doing on his own will get you across the line. So, I mean, you always want to see a, a contender have to grit out some games against a really good team and win them ugly. This was that kind of on steroids, though. So I couldn't have asked for much more from the books than to win this game, even though when ultimately you look back on it, it's like, did they play well? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. They played pretty terribly throughout the game. But in some ways, that's something to be more optimistic about than some of the just, you know, oh, great performance here or there that we've seen to this point in the year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, their offense has been so overwhelming. Um, Giannis has been a big part of that, obviously, recently, that when it comes time to play in the muck and have to carry yourself out of a 20 point plus deficit at times they can do it it's that is from where we were talking about the bucks over this bud era of their front runners or the criticisms that would be placed on them of like when they punch them out they don't know how to counter it's like they can win at this point with all the players that they have and how far along they are in this the fifth year of, of the bud era and on top of that, where everybody has learned from all those big mistakes that when you have everybody healthy, uh, big mistakes, I should say, losses. These guys, like Giannis, I know we fall in love, and I know one of our questions about uh, his scoring is about, like, he's shooting the ball better, being more willing from three, even though that, you know, can be queasy at some sometimes. It just doesn't matter when you can get to the rim 20 times a game and make 80% of those shots. It doesn't matter if you have Avika Zubac, who's not like a Brick Lopez type guy, but he's very big and it's hard to displace him from where he's defending, uh, which is primarily in front of the hoop and have him fall out and can't guard any, like can't block your shot. It's stuff like that that just keeps happening. I mean, even happened in the heat game. I know it wasn't 54 points or anything like that, but like, Bam is probably as good of a rim defender on Giannis in recent years, and it just really didn't matter. Um, I just, it, it is crazy just how relentless he can be. And we know all of the injuries and just the punishment it takes to, to that he takes on a nightly basis and to just keep coming and coming and coming towards the rim and all that stuff it's just the guy the guy is he's a monster he's unique in that way yeah he really is i mean i the only thing i wonder we touched on i guess in the last episode of did he benefit from some of that time out did the books maybe let him rest up a little bit more in that time after injury Maybe they should do it again before the season's out. Like, let's let's see how things go. Let's get Chris back, and if you find yourself with a friendly stretch in the schedule, maybe maybe he just feels that knee a little bit for a few games that we get him some more rest. Because I don't think this has done him any harm. And uh, we're gonna pivot over to the mailbag now. But before we do, Jordan, I want to do something that is not um the usual for winning six. Uh, people can you know just excuse me this indulgence for a couple of minutes if. If I didn't have other plans and was not going to be out of the country later this week, I would come on another Eurostep Podcast Network show 
to just to, to make this point. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers, Jordan. That's what I'll talk about. And I can't be around for Talk of the Thunder this week, but I, I need to I need to draw attention to this. I need to be an ombudsman of some sort. Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'll I'll read you a quote. This is a pretty big deal for me. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's what he's talking about after his latest big win, Jordan. Aaron Rodgers claimed the Pro-Am title at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, playing with Ben Silverman, a PJ Tour professional that I will admit, as a weekly PJ Tour watcher, I have never heard of before. Um, Ben Silverman, not making a whole lot of noise on the professional leaderboard this week, Jordan. So how, you might ask, is Aaron Rodgers winning this tournament? How are they winning a 26-under? I think something fishy's going on, Jordan. That's that's all I got with this. What <laughs> what uh what is fishy about Aaron Rodgers winning the program tour? Or I'm glad you I'm glad you asked, Jordan. I'm Thank glad you. you asked. Um Aaron Rodgers has been playing off a handicap of ten this week in the ATT Pebble Beach Pro Am. Do you know what handicap Aaron Rodgers usually plays off. I not know. only do I not Green Bay know it, Country Club, I believe, where he plays yes. his golf as a member. Not only do I not At least know for the his... moment. At least for the moment. Oh, well, that was a big stir a couple years ago. Um, Not only do I not know what his handicap, I also, as a golf novice, do not You don't know, know what a handicap is. Yes. Yes. So... Pebble Beach, one of the tree courses this week. It's par 72, right? You know what par is. It's the number of shots yes. you're supposed to get around the course. Here. That's lower than par, you're doing great. Higher than par, you're not doing so great. Your handicap is how many extra shots you're being given. So based oh, on your ability. If so you're if the par is par, 72, your handicap, exactly. and you're 10 over your handicap. So, Eighty-two right. would be the equivalent to a par yes. score for an amateur and a pro am, as a seventy-two would be for the professional, or yes. for an amateur playing off scratch. So, three point five is Aaron Rodgers' handicap, and yet he gets to Pebble Beach and he's got ten shots, so he's got an extra six and a half shots around on what his handicap is. And turns out, if you give a guy an extra six and a half shots. I know he sometimes turns those down, but this occasion, he did not turn them down, and he's gone home with the trophy. Just feel like we need to talk about it. I'm putting it out there. You and Numa can pick it up later in the week, talk about it in greater detail. Uh, maybe, maybe he'll be like, hmm, I wonder, can I get closer to California to be able to play with a 10 handicap all the time, Jordan? Maybe this is going to be an important part in this story. So I just felt like I had to use this opportunity to the bring PSA, it up, to get, to get the word out there to the masses. Are well, you I'm, just glad that he's, I'm glad that he's bringing home a trophy. Trophy uh, in, in February. In That's what he lives for. That's what yeah. he said. This is a pretty big deal for me. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He described it as a bucket list item. Gray for 12. That's his new handicap, actually. 12. <laughs> okay, on to the mailbag. Sorry for people who have no interest in either the Green Bay Packers and or the PGA Tour. 
from at you again, Oz. When the Bucks trade Middleton for Kyrie, do you think that'll finally unlock 30 minutes a night for future All-Star Marjan Beauchamp? Uh... Darn. Dallas got to it first. <laughs> yeah, the Bucks would never have done that. And the answer would have been no, anyway. Um... From at Ewing and Oz again, is it just me or is Giannis taking and hitting face with mid-rangers with a lot more confidence and frequency? I don't know, because this is a shot we know he's got, and when he gets into a rhythm with it, we see him go on strong runs like this. I mean, this is one of the stronger runs over a kind of approaching a 10-game stretch he's ever had in his career, so maybe it is fair. Early this year. But it's um, not it's not a complete anomaly, I don't feel like. Like we know this is a shot he likes, works on a lot, maybe just as much as any shot over the years. And that he has a real level of comfort with. Yeah, I mean at this point, we've seen him improve his mid range game, whether that shows on the court or not, over you know, meaningful stretches. His free throw shooting has improved. Same thing whether that stays consistent over a meaningful stretch is the key. Three-point shooting, even to some degree, it varies from game to game. Um, th- this is just the nature of his of where we are. It- it's always going to be the question. Um, as great as he is as getting downhill and attacking the rim relentlessly, as we talked about before, his shooting from beyond the paint is basically the big question when those walls go up or, you know, you're seeing zone defenses or any kind of defensive look um, come playoff time. And that's the key. Uh, I don't know. I, I, as much as it is good to see or be encouraged by his recent run of form that way, it's going to have the ups and downs. Um, It's just a matter of that timing being right because that (laughs) it's those margins that can easily break or, make or break your playoff run or if your offense looks as good as it does for the Bucks, you know, and how that translates in a postseason setting because that is the biggest key every year under Bud. Um, their offense just takes a hit. And part of that is because of Giannis. Um, there's other, obviously, bigger factors every year. But, yeah, that's just where I am. I'm not – I can't be – you can't get too high, you can't get too low about where how Giannis is looking as a – jump shooter because we've been through this before from james ontario 12 does Kyrie to the mavs at all bother your luca fandom i don't think this is directed at either of us specifically i think we both like luca right what's what's not to like generally about he's very very good basketball player he's fun to watch um it would if I was like a diehard Luca fan. This would butter my Luca fandom quite a lot, because his life is about to become absolute misery. So, <laughs> if that was the case, it would butter me. I guess on the other side, if we're talking about being, you know, being Luca fans from a non-Mavs perspective, I guess if people want to dream a dream, and this is a pipe dream for the books, that at any point, well. He could come and play for your team. Well, the chances of that are certainly greater than they were a few hours ago. So I guess there's the two ways it could factor in. Um, again, for James Ontario 12, how can we develop a similar role to what Chris Middleton is doing off the bench for us? I don't know. Does this mean 
when Chris is starting again that someone else could fill a role like that. Like Ingles? Ingles is kind of the way they could do or it. Or in- how to keep it rolling with Chris when he his minutes get when he gets more and more minutes. Well, I mean, personally, I'm less worried about that. I think they'll work that out. Yeah, I think the ideal scenario is Ingles, that his role is kind of being jolted around a little bit at the moment because of Chris coming back, but essentially taking his role, um, even though it's a short-term measure. So that's one that's going to be interesting to see as it plays out. But even then, I mean, yeah, Chris Milton is really good in that role because he's exceptionally overqualified for it and it would be an incredible luxury to have a player that overqualified for it kind of night in or night out where that's the best fit the best use of all your players um and also i think where it's at that position with that kind of skill set like i mean bobby portis has been giving them the kind of production that chris has been giving them you know that's that's kind of in line with bobby's season but i do think there is something different about it when it's a when it's like a scoring wing and it's someone who is capable of creating and um, that, that adds a different dynamic as a kind of six man like figure, which is where hopefully Joe Ingalls is going to continue to try for the books this season. And with the ball in his hands, he can, he can give you that. Not so much the kind of multi-level scoring wing, but someone who can kind of attack with purpose and probe the opposing defense and be able to make everyone around him better. From a Logan I-54, what would Cash have to do to be the second greatest book of all time? My gut reaction to this is not a whole lot. The gap is not massively large at this point. It's gonna it's also it's one where it's it's very difficult to quantify how are we how are we quantifying greatest book of all time this is a <laughs> a conversation you and i have had for many different purposes over many different years and i know personally my own criteria for that has evolved at times um i was once for example i i once made the case and I, I don't feel like, oh, that was dumb. The City Moncrief was the greatest book of all time because of what he represented for the franchise. And kind of part of his thing is he gets punished legacy-wise because he didn't get the championship. Now, that may be fair, that may be unfair. But he oversaw a period of continued excellence. So what I think is inferred here, and at this point everyone is in agreement on, Giannis is the greatest book of all time. That it's Kareem to Sidney Moncrief three Chris four whatever whatever order you want to put those guys in yeah. I think that that's it now right yeah I think that's your Mount Rushmore I I don't think it's even where is it where is he for that's you full, so is he is that's he a full Stephen Bardo but I don't think it's I don't even know who would be fifth. It's tough. There's no one you might be Marcus. And he doesn't have the longevity. So. Or Dandridge. 
you're you're into that two. tier of of kind of guys. Junior Bridgman, if you like, go longevity, but not didn't have the high end production of Marcus or to a slightly lesser extent Dandridge. Is Chris ahead of Sid for you right now? Um, there's the championship trade off there. Depending on what way you want to go with it, is the thing. Yeah, I don't know. Again, the the biggest thing too is, um, we weren't alive when Sidney Moncrief was playing basketball, but um, well, and he, we 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 weren't around. around the, the, I was not. No, actually, neither was I. He yeah. retired a few months before I was born, I believe. I, believe. Um, I wasn't even close to a lie for his actual heyday, though. Yeah. So it's relying on a lot of anecdotes of the few clips that we can find of his playing career on YouTube and stuff like that. But it's it's such a... And even comparing what Sidney Moncrief was to Chris is kind of just very different. They're not their archetype of players very very and their different. their function within their team yes is, yeah i don't i when i think of that now i don't think he is but if the bucks going to win another championship he he is ahead of moncrief and he probably is also ahead of cream then because you got two championships so like I, I think that's how close it is not to suggest that that's some small feat that can be achieved. Otherwise, if he can continue to contribute at a really high level and his game can age quite well, something we have questions and concerns over for a variety of reasons, mostly health-based, like, if he ends up having the the longevity and beyond that of what Moncrief had in terms of time with the team... And also the longevity of success that Moncrief had, and he also has a championship to go with it. Like when all said and done, he will be two. That's not to say that like Kareem Dul Jabbar isn't a better player than Chris. But and it's greatest, greatest book. And I think if you've if you yeah, build out if, career. if if Chris's career gives you like eight years of the books as a true contender and it at least one championship to show for it, maybe another finals appearance or another championship, whatever it might be like, that's, that's impossible to look past in terms of giving the best of both worlds, you know, giving the best of both worlds of what's, what's around there. So he is, he's close. It's the, in the territory that being close is one thing, what it takes to actually leap past either of those guys is another thing. Mm-hmm. But he is close. Yeah, I doubt you're you're feeling less comfortable at this moment that I fully understand and appreciate why. But I don't think there. I don't think there's a good case he made. Uh, if Chris gets a second championship, that that he's not number two. Yeah. I understand that we have years worth of work and a multi-part documentary that will unpack some of this at a later date. (laughs) But that thankfully is not the central question of our work. It's true, Uh, yes. 
but I, I I do think when it will ultimately come down to like greatest book, if Chris sees this out and it's all you know roses and rocking chairs when he's finishing up. <laughs> And he's got two championships. And Harley Davidson motorcycles. I I think that's kind of unimpeachable in a way that, as you know, Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's legacy as a Milwaukee book is a little bit more complicated. And ultimately, also, I this is something. Um, I think it was I think it was Matt Moore, HP Basketball, had tweeted this a couple of days ago, and I was like, oh, I haven't really given thought to this, but the question was along the lines of. How many teams in the NBA currently have their all-time greatest franchise player playing for them? Which, obviously, Giannis is one. Steph Curry's another one. I'm now going to blank on others that I had before that. Damian Lillard is getting close, although Drexler has got some edge there, maybe in other ways. I don't know. That's That one's close. I'm forgetting someone really obvious. Zach Levine, the Bulls. But I I just I I think the way the way that you're trying really hard to distract me. If Chris sees this true and remains good with the books and the books remain competitive, the thing that he will also have in his favor in a Sydney Moncrief way that works too, I think, is Everyone, like every basketball fan around the league, when his name comes up, they will associate him as a Milwaukee book. Yeah. And that also is a big deal. Just like Doug McDermott and the San Antonio Spurs. (laughs) I was enjoying that conversation. Jordan's just opting out. out. Jordan, there's a chance for us to talk about the stuff we're passionate about. Uh, From a T. Evans Barton. What are your thoughts on Joe Ingles' role since Chris came back? Seems like they're not using him on ball enough, which makes sense because Chris is getting a lot of those reps, but feels like you're not getting the most out of him just using him as a spot-up shooter in the corner. I think that's fair. I'm just not worried about it because I think there's a clear hierarchy of priorities. Yeah. And right now the priority is let's get Chris's reps in, let's get him right, and let's get him back into the starting lineup. And when that happens... Joe's role should generally take care of itself. I do think he's playing very well generally. There have been a couple of not-so-great games lately and some ups and downs, which honestly I think you just expect of a player of that age anyway. Um, but I'm not I'm not overly concerned with how he's looking with that given the change-up. And I think all of that will slot seamlessly back into place. And it'll be a true mission accomplished for the books if Chris holds up. They get Chris back into the starting lineup looking good. That was the biggest concern really left for the books this season. And it's not that long from us doing pods that were getting pretty concerned about that. And it's as simple as, oh, work that out. And they win seven in a row. (laughs) And they're coming up with signature wins. And Giannis looks better than he's been all year. Like, so I, I think the decision they've made which is, yeah, this probably puts Joe Ingles out for a little while, but it's increasing the chance of getting the best out of Chris. Uh, that's that's one that was the right call and I'm in support of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it'll sort itself out. I, I don't think there's any other better way to say it. 
from at hindust one one nine zero zero eight four two. I always love all the numbers, Jordan. And we make a deep playoff run and maybe win the title with this roster. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Just as a reminder for anyone asked themselves that question, go back and uh, look at the roster that the books actually won the title with. Mm, yes, <laughs> and, the, and the lack of depth that that roster had. I expect the move in the next few days, but if the move doesn't come about for one reason or another, I don't think the books should be panicking, particularly right now. And I don't expect them to be panicking, particularly right now, because your priority in terms of moves, yeah, you want to get a Jay Crowder-esque figure, you want to make yourself even better. In terms of things that have to happen, have to happen, it's kick Serge Ibaka to the curb, and that's it. Yeah. Like that's Absolutely. it, and then with that roster spot, if if that ends up being okay, we're not getting Jay Crowder via trade. We're gonna have to try and add someone via the bio market. Fine, like you want to get rid of Serge Ibaka. That's that's the thing. Yeah. So, other than that, if this is kind of the general shape of it, sure, I I think they could. Um. Health is important in that. We need Chris to stay healthy. We need to get Bobby back and have him slot back in as well. It it is the fact that like this is happening now and Bobby's out and Chris is not even playing full minutes and look how good this team is, which is probably a worthwhile reminder of just you know, let's try and get everyone out there together. It doesn't always work like that. Some years you cannot get everyone out there together, but if the books can, I think there's no stopping them. I think they're far and away the best team in the NBA and have a roster that would be the envy of everyone else. I would agree with that. We're having all the pieces come together. Um, important. It's, <laughs> there is no, could their wing defense be improved? Could they have another big man? Could they have another ball handler? They can always use more of these things, but I think from what they are building off right now and where the roster is at, um, plus Bobby, when he gets healthy, it's good enough to compete for a title. To add to that would be a luxury, but that's when you have that's what happens when you have all the big pieces covered, and then it's about just add a little season in, in there. And then, and then, um, it's kind of our our wider point throughout the season, which is, you know, the things that annoy people about Grace and Allen become a much smaller problem when you don't have to focus on Grayson Allen as much. And we're seeing that at the moment. And I think that just kind of the knock-on effect of that for every single guy throughout the roster, it's already there for all to be seen. If they get Bobby back as well, it'll be even clearer. So fingers crossed on that front. From a Scott Run Portal, no question. I'm just happy we're still playing out the season and having fun since the Celtic won the finals in December and Embiid won the MVP in January. You're right, Scott. I'm glad we are still playing at the season and having fun. Boy, are we having fun. <laughs> From a David Dunn 21, just, you know, I will advise the listener, I will not try to perform it in this case, but I will advise the listener that this is in all caps. I know that will surprise you given the tweeter in question. But many people are saying that Chris Middleton looks better as a sixth man, which I've been saying for years, but the fake news failed to report on. 
Now that his minutes are low, his efficiency is high, and Kyrie Irving had to flee to Texas. Sad. I don't know what I've got here. Uh, <laughs> there's certainly some performance art here. I see what this tweet is trying to do. Jay Crowder, like all caps here, too. Sure, I'm pretty sure that's who it was going for. Um, I don't remember the tweeter in question saying that Chris Milton would be a better sixth man. I don't specifically remember that part of the argument over the years. And I don't think it's true now. Um, I just think he he's looking good because he's getting healthy and things are working well. So, um, yeah, I would like the guy who was second, third, whatever you want to call it, one of their top three players on the team that won the championship to get back to being one of their top three players in the starting lineup and for them to win another championship. And maybe we'll get to see that. Lastly, from at Steve Pelly. Bucks are on another winning streak, so it might be a thing to forget about old Bobby Portis or even seem as expendable before the deadline. How does Bobby fit into this Bucks team um, that has it humming? Does he get more minutes than Crowder? Half serious. I'm afraid to answer a question like this because this feeds too closely into things that I've been saying for years. I say them occasionally still and then people get mad at me. I'm just saying that as it is. Uh, I love Buddy, Bobby, even. Uh, sure, Buddy, just the general concept of Buddy. You better I'm a fan. Paragraph. Uh, yeah, that too. Um, he's not expendable. I certainly that's. I know that's not meant sincerely in the question. I wouldn't go that far. The truth, though, and maybe. He's the somewhat harsh truth to an extent is that Clippers game and the way they focus like in that Clippers game and the way the lineup goes, that is exactly the kind of situation where you do not see him on the floor where net series, net series on the way to the championship. And there's a reason for that. And that's fine. And that's if he's good with that and he's going to give you everything he's got. And you know, he is when his number is called and you try to put him out there. That's fine. Um, but there are moments and there are series that are for him and there are moments and series that aren't. A Jay Crowder too, I think a point you made earlier as well, like just leaves you better prepared for that. You know, you yeah. just you have the extra options. So it becomes, oh, okay, well, this isn't the series for Bobby. We don't need to worry about that as this massive loss. We're down one of our best players because there's enough really good players there that you're still coming out way ahead of most other teams. Yeah. I, I It's going to vary series to series because you're going to need Bobby's offense. You're sort of going to need big man depth because beyond Brooke, um, Giannis is the lone center um, on this roster if you're playing really small. And he's gotten better at it when they've had, obviously, all the players that are – uh, really key to the Bucks winning the title, um, available and healthy, but it's not a job that I would like Giannis to play more than, you know, a stretch here or there. He can't do it that way. That's not how he's built. Um, he needs to have a you know a true big man like that. And Bobby's not a true big man in that sense, but 
they've gotten it down where they could kind of, you know, for here and there, and if they want to play small, but they don't really lose size, um, having those two on the floor at the same time with good wing defenders with capable ball handlers can really help the Bucks and, you know, play against the Celtics or whoever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's to put any number on it, on what he looks like when the team is fully healthy or if the Bucks get Jay Crowder, like it will vary from se- series to series because not all opponents are the same, obviously. So um, all I will say is I think he's going to look good when he's playing. And then if you make that tactical decision where you're going to have to live uh, with not having his defense on the floor and lose his offense, then so be it. But that's the case for players of his caliber who really good role players, but obviously have deficiencies that you just have to insulate uh, for stretches at a time. Yeah. Let's say if the, the mooted touted, I guess it's been both trade for uh Jay Crowder was to come about and they were to send out not just Serge Ibaka, but, Jordan Mora, George Hill to make the salary work on that. It's going to give you two open roster spots. Uh, the Bucks will go after whoever is, and it'll likely not be the perfect solution or anything close to it, but whoever is the closest thing to a traditional defensive big who would be available on the market. If they've open roster spots, that will be what the Bucks will look for because there will be series where that is not the gig for Bobby in this playoffs. And possibly there's kind of a couple of different types of matchups where it could be trickier for him. Like you mentioned the Cavs and you're feeling with the Cavs. You want size against the Cavs? Don't know if the size you want is Bobby. It might actually take a series of seeing that play out and... Bobby could be part of the thing that wins out and wins you that series and forces the Cavs out of their comfort zone with their size. Or it could be that you're losing that battle and you need to switch it up in a different way. I can I can just see a couple of different scenarios where, aside from just, you know, it would be a good idea to have some form of security for like any number of minutes with that yeah. kind of center. Um, But I can see a scenario where the books go after that. And honestly, that might be a real incentive as much as anything. Like, I wonder if if it does get to a point where they get Jay Crowder and sort of deal like that, but maybe the pot is sweetened a little bit where we're going, they're going a little bit further on this. That might be with a view to this is not just about Jay Crowder, but this is about we want to rectify one to two other spots on our roster and we need the roster spots. So this will get us Jay Crowder and give us the flexibility to go and find a buyout big as uh, maybe something to keep in mind in the days ahead. If, if an extra second round pick, well, the books are blessed with these things anymore were to appear in a deal where it's like, that seems like an overpay. Ultimately the, the value of a deal doesn't matter straight up for John horse and the books, their current situation. It's what is your, what are your assets you're spending at the deadline and what does your roster look like coming out of it versus going into it? So 
if there's a big that becomes available and they feel they could get that, you know, you end up with and that costs you an extra second round pick. What's really the difference from trading a second rounder for that anyway? So that's something I've just thought about that might be worth keeping in mind because if there is a deal that goes through, whether it's for Crowder or someone else with that kind of lopsided construction where the books are going to open up roster spots, there may be added incentive for the books to do a deal like that. Of course, mm-hmm. the flip side of it could be they could find a trade partner and do a deal where they get a big like that back and you know whatever salary configuration in that deal works, but the Jay Crowder deal is not one set up to be like that. So maybe part of the incentive would be, okay, we can play the buyout market too. Yeah. It'll all come Are... together in the next few days, I guess. I guess it will. Dear listener, I have no idea what this is even going to sound like. Maybe maybe I could just say nothing and we get away with this. Maybe it's going to be unbelievably obvious. But we... Uh, eventful, eventful recording, to say the least, for this episode. But we had finally got the episode finished. A few minutes had gone past. And I got a message from Jordan saying... We forgot something. And he demanded that we come back and we do it. So here we are. Jordan Tresky presents Mike Dunlop's Screw of the Week. <clears throat> Tweeted 5.26 a.m. A.m. <laughs> What game? Can we give context? Is there some... <laughs> is it actually like... They weren't out west this week. Were they? No, they just had to play at 9 o'clock. Or tip-off had 9.20. Um, this would have been Friday. Or no, this is Saturday. Saturday morning. Do you think he just gets up at 5 a.m.? He does come across as a 5 a.m. riser kind of guy. That's true. Much like yourself. <laughs> Tweeted 5.26 a.m. February 4th, 2023. Coaching? Forces of change? Parenting? AAU influence? Kitty litter discipline? General selfishness? Big picture. Keeping energy and enthusiasm. How? Other coaches. Relationships. Invest. Find other coaches that can assist with their knowledge and shared struggles. Problem solved together. Yeah, I guess so. We we the reason we had to come back for this, Jordan, is because he said kitty letter discipline is of course, because I've never heard of that those three words together. What does that mean? I assume it's teaching a cat to go to the toilet and like the litter box. Kitty litter discipline. So he's he's applying a whole variety of scenarios where you may need to be a coach, including if you're coaching your cat to not I don't know, shit in the middle of your floor. So Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> I hope he doesn't have that problem. I don't believe so. <laughs> Um, I can I can I propose? Yes, I know oh, there's another one. February third, or at least that's what it was for me. Yeah, February third. 
2.36 p.m. Central. Relationship connection today different than yesterday. How? Cell phone attention spans. Sorry, I need to I need to punctuate this because punctuation is different here. We're dealing with bullet points. I can't remember another bullet point tweet yet, but relationship connections relationship connection today different than yesterday. How? Bullet point. Cell phone, comma, attention spans, period. Bullet point. Youthful expectations, more quote unquote me driven. Bullet point. Question hardline comments. Bullet point. Use electronics to converse. Bullet point. Leadership more horizontal. Bullet point. NBD. Parentheses. No big deal. Comma. Your urgency isn't their urgency. (laughs) I love this. I just love someone once texted Mike Dunlap. NBD. And he Googled it, first and foremost, clearly. Or he dictated it into his phone to ask his phone, what was no NBD? And then he jotted down in his notes for, for one day when this tweet would be released to the world. Your urgency isn't their urgency. <laughs> At this point, my urgency is to finally finish this podcast and get on with my evening. So that'll do it for us. You'll have to tell me, Jordan. Uh, I won't be around to see it. I, uh, I'll i be out of commission for a few days. Very well-timed. Uh, we'll be back, though, I guess early-ish next week. Uh, Worst-case scenario, back in our kind of more regular Wednesday-Thursday kind of slot. Um, so we'll, we'll talk some more about all things books then, of course. There'll be no shortage of books pods on this feed. You, I'm sure, will even be involved in them, Jordan. Oh, Um, yeah. But between yourself and Ty and Rowan on the Eurostep, we have all things books trade deadline covered here on the Eurostep Podcast Network over the course of what could be a very busy week. All things Green Bay Packers, Pebble Beach, AT&T, Pro-Am, they're all covered on Talk of the Tundra. I for one, cannot wait to tune in and hear the important issues I've raised get discussed on that podcast later this week. Cruising for a bruising, we're talking all things Milwaukee Brewers. We're also journeying back in time frequently to 2018. Uh, Game 2 against the Rockies, 2018 NLDS. Come watch it with us on playback Tuesday night, and then you'll hear about it in the next episode of Cruising for a Bruising. We'll break it down. We'll share some thoughts. If you're lucky, you may even catch a time traveler lost in time. It's just a matter of if we're going to end up in the same space as him at any given moment. That is Jordan Tresky. And last but by no means least, we've got to make time for this. Our pop culture podcast here at GSPN. Andrew and I will be talking uh, movies, and I believe a movie that's very dear to my heart uh, in a couple of days' time. So... That does it for us for now. Of course, you should also go check us out on Repod. If you want to chop things up about anything discussed in this episode, honestly, preferably Aaron Rodgers winning the <laughs> AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. That's if you've got any remarks, questions about that, 
um go go to the the gspn repod room and i'll be happy to talk about it with you um we need to we need to start a dialogue as a, a very wise man once said jordan join repod.com forward slash gspn you can listen to all our pods there you can also chat with us in our podcast rooms. that does it for us for now until next time thanks again to all of you for listening thank you jordan thank you